0: In the summer of 2023, in the immediate aftermath of a fire at a solar farm in Jefferson County, Governor Hochul convened an interagency fire safety working group tasked with ensuring the quote-unquote safety and security of energy storage systems across the state. After releasing some initial findings in December, the working group published 15 recommendations in early February, which we're going to discuss with Doreen Harris, president and CEO of the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority, which is one of the state agencies serving on the working group. Welcome back to the Capitol Press Room, President Harris.
1: Thanks for having me today. Well,
0: for listeners who don't remember, can you talk about some of the events that prompted uh, the formation of the Fire Safety Working Group? Because it wasn't just the incident in Jefferson County, correct?
1: Yes, certainly. Uh, It is the case that we are going to need energy storage facilities in the first instance across our state as we advance toward our climate goals. And for the very reason that renewable energy technologies, although providing emissions-free power, will need to be backed up with other sources of energy, such as energy storage, so that they can literally balance the grid. So I I say this because energy storage is a part of our future. Obviously the governor is very committed to that deployment, but also to do so in, in a safe manner. But it is true that um, there were actually three fires in 2023 in stationary storage facilities, one in Jefferson County, one in Orange County, and one in Suffolk County. And and that is obviously a situation that needed, I'd say, immediate attention. and, And the governor did so by forming and executing on the interagency fire safety working group in a timely manner so that we can ensure that these energy storage facilities are installed in a safe and secure manner.
0: So aside from the fire, what is the threat or potential threat of fires at renewable energy generating sites or or battery storage systems, uh, specifically?
1: Fire risk exists in in all forms of of power generation. Existing power plants using combustible fossil fuels. We see fires on a fairly regular basis in in existing power plants and technologies that we use today. So I would just say that it is a general matter of safe installation that we need to be driving toward across the electricity sector. In the case of renewable energy technologies, there are rare occasions, but occasions of fires um, in wind turbines themselves. Similarly, from time to time, there are fires uh, in solar inverters. However, it is quite rare and really our focus with this working group is energy storage. Um, It's a unique technology, um, primarily utilizing lithium ion technology um, today. There's new chemistries that are advancing every day that that may actually have different characteristics um, related to risk of fires. But also, I'd say energy storage of today is the technology that we're focusing on um, with the fire safety working group. And so when we think about these technologies, they are deployed at scale, not only here in the state, but around the world. But um, the working group has, and rightly so, advanced various work streams that indicate places where we can really be improving upon the safety of these facilities. And so that's exactly what the working group is there to do.
0: Well, yeah, I want to talk about the recommendations that came out in February, but in terms of getting a better understanding of what you were looking at when the working group began examining this area, can you talk about the guidelines or procedures that the state was following at the time in 2023 and, I guess, to this day, because the recommendations haven't taken effect yet, uh, with regards to the utilization of lithium-ion batteries? The
1: working group has has really been focusing mm-hmm. on on four specific tasks. and And I'd say it's important to go through them because they have both a very specific um, assessment of the cause of the fires that existed, as I said in in those three counties and specifically in East Hampton, Warwick, and Chavaux. so so, in the first instance, it's really on the ground what happened here and what can be learned from it. But also in the longer term, looking at the ways in which, and this is specific to your question, how are these projects both cited today, what codes apply to them, what standards apply to them, and what regulations apply to them, and how could those be improved upon so that's the second work stream. Um, the third is a work stream that is in progress, which is focusing on assessments of the those energy storage facilities that are in operation across the state. So assessing them against um, various checklists for safety considerations. And then finally, uh, a, a broader effort will be to summarize all of this. And And when I say summarize it, it's not just for New York's purposes, but one thing that's been... I'd say, quite reflective of the ways in which New York is uh, setting the standard for others. We've seen interest not only from other states, but globally in the ways in which we're advancing our working groups' efforts and the findings thereof.
0: Well, going back to the question, though, what sort of regulations or guidelines was the state following? For example, had the state updated its own regulations and rules as it headed down this path of employing more renewable energy storage systems, or were we following federal guidelines? Is it the wild, wild west out there with each community getting to set up its own uh, set of rules? What is the system that we were following and continue to follow?
1: So there are. It is not the wild west. I I want to uh, make that clear. However, it is the case that there are areas that we can and should be improving upon much like any any newer technology that necessitates another look at systems that exist today. So there are code requirements, um, there's regulatory requirements, and I'd say there's programmatic requirements in place now, things like fire suppression as an example. That would be an example of something implemented under the fire code and very robust code that exists today but focusing on batteries, um, we do see areas that that should be improved upon. Um, as an example, another place that exists today, um, but the safety working group has has identified for potential improvement, has to do with the ways in which localities and the fire um, officials in those localities are both trained and aware of the emergency response plans and, and also trained as to what to do in the event of a fire. So first responder training is another example of a place um, that exists but can be improved upon. So so there are, there's, there's strong codes and standards that apply today. We're finding places um, to enhance those standards as we speak.
0: Well, in terms of the ability of first responders to address the possibility of a fire that may arise, I think of a community like uh, in Jefferson County, which is most likely serviced by volunteer fire departments. We just did a segment recently about the dearth of volunteers uh, to staff fire departments around New York State, which is really much more common than paid firefighters. So are you concerned at all about having adequately trained fire personnel uh, around the state uh, in the future?
1: Well, certainly one of the recommendations that have recently been issued by the, the working group does have to do with training. Um, it is certainly true that we need to enhance local fire department training, especially in a circumstance where there will be a battery energy storage facility installed in their locality. And, and certainly the New York State Office of Fire Training and Prevention, that's what they focus on is ensuring that readiness for fire safety training. But it's also, I'd say, training for the host communities as well. And that's a role actually NYSERDA plays in our clean energy siting team that has, over a series of years, worked directly with host communities. Um, we originally spent a lot of time talking about solar projects um, as those began to be installed across the state and a lot of questions and needs came out from, um, from those projects. Now we see much more interest in our energy storage resources. Um, we have a guidebook for local governments really about these very topics. How do you permit a storage facility? How do you inspect it? How is zoning impacted by it? And and fundamentally we're, we're seeing Hundreds of communities avail themselves of these resources because there are implications um, for the community at large.
0: Well when it comes to say siting or permitting a battery storage project moving forward, is a community's capacity to respond to a fire something that uh, state officials should consider?
1: Oh, it definitely should. But the answer to that is to ensure the proper training um, through the office that exists today, the New York State Office of Fire Prevention and Control. That is what they're there to do. And it's it's I'd say it's a joint responsibility. On the one hand, we can train the local fire departments to handle fires if they were to ever exist at a facility. But I'd also say the project developers have to make available the specifications of the project to ensure that those responders are informed. Um, So it it works in both directions. Um, But there are courses available today. And I'd say it's an important part of a responsible project across the state.
0: It seems like the costs associated with implementing the state's recommendations fall on the developers of battery energy storage system projects. Why does that make sense?
1: Well, I'd say when you really look at how the projects are actually being advanced, it it works in both directions. I'd say cost is uh, both in the form of hard costs, right? The cost of the equipment itself. And New York has high standards and will continue to have high standards as to the ways in which those facilities are actually constructed and, and operate. But it is also the case that there are soft costs. And soft costs, exist in many categories, one of them being um, the necessary safety, um, I'd say training, as well as information that needs to be provided. Um, so so all told, um, we obviously look at costs. And, and in fact, as we speak, the Public Service Commission has taken up a, an expanded energy storage um, petition uh, that had been filed last year that looks at just that. What are the costs and what are the benefits of an expanded deployment of energy storage.
0: And after a quick break, we'll continue our conversation about the state's interagency fire safety working group with Doreen Harris, president and CEO of the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority. For listeners just joining us, we're continuing our conversation about the state's interagency Fire Safety Working Group, which released recommendations in early February on the safe and secure operation of battery energy storage systems across the state. And our guest is Doreen Harris, president and CEO of the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority. The preliminary analysis by the Safety Working Group uh, released in December of 2023, downplayed the possibility of toxic pollution from battery system fires, concluding there was no quote-unquote notable lasting impacts on the health or safety of first responders, and also concluded that pollution wouldn't significantly spread off-site in the event of a fire. How were those conclusions reached?
1: Yes. So so one of the hallmarks of the working group is is certainly transparency. And, and as described, we're working hard as we speak to analyze the fires that existed, determine the root cause of those fires, and initially and recently, as you indicated, release data that had been assembled by the working group, which was the available analyses of the air quality, the soil, or the water data collected in the vicinity of these incidents. And so we have air monitoring reports, we have third-party inspections reports of of actual soil samples. We have other data that we made available, all of which allowed us as a working group to conclude that there not only were there no reported injuries, but there were no harmful levels of toxins detected in any of those samples.
0: In formulating the recommendations of the working group, what sort of input did you get from stakeholders in the industry, as well as from people who live near existing storage facilities or near facilities that might be planned for the future?
1: Well, certainly, as I as I described, we are on the ground in communities across our state, um, hundreds, I think the number is over 400 communities that NYSERDA works with directly, including the communities that have energy storage facilities um, within them. I'd say specific to the work that we have undertaken um, as as this working group, it involves also um, national experts. I mentioned the fact that we have a lot of interest in this work from other states, but also the federal government, um, knowing that there are, I'd say, expertise outside our state to bring to bear on on the work that's undertaken by the working group. So we have the national labs as a resource, and and I would say national experts who are helping us um, ensure that we, we chart this course responsibly.
0: I read back in 2023 that this organization of activists in the Racket Lake area we're looking to speak with the working group. This is a group that is opposed to lithium battery farms in their community. What sort of engagement, if any, did you have with that organization, the Protect Racket Lake group?
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of, of the project in Racket Lake, and, and certainly I myself have, have been approached and discussed their concerns about the project. In this instance, the actual project is, is one that had been um, advanced by National Grid, so specifically NICERTA doesn't have a, a role from the perspective of the project itself. However, our engagement would be with the host community, ensuring that they are educated and, and ready to respond um, with, with, I'd say, objective information to help them engage fully in a siting process.
0: And moving forward, the recommendations from the working group, will they apply to all lithium-ion battery energy storage systems? Or is there a threshold that will apply in terms of certain projects under a kilowatt hour of production won't be covered?
1: So specifically, and, and I do want to make sure I highlight the fact that we as a working group issued initial recommendations on February 6th. Those initial recommendations are actually out for comment. So as a general matter, I'm really hoping that interested stakeholders will submit comments on the draft recommendations. Um, The due date is March 5th. There's a little bit of time uh, to take a look at those recommendations and and provide feedback. But the real focus here, and and I'm glad you asked, um, because there are a lot of different types of batteries and there are a lot of different types of energy storage systems available to us. Really what we are focusing on in these recommendations is the regulatory framework for lithium-ion battery energy storage systems exceeding 600 kilowatt hours. So these are, I'd say, larger installations that are stationary systems focusing on those that are used at a grid scale, as opposed to many other types of storage that would be subject to different regulations.
0: Well, using that threshold, would these regulations then have applied to the sites of the fires that occurred in 2023?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And why is the 600 kilowatt hour threshold an important line of demarcation?
1: It, it really has to do with with focusing on what we we would deem bulk um, energy storage systems. So we want to ensure these, these are grid scale battery energy storage systems. So they're different. These are projects that are installed outside grid scale in most instances, which would actually be different than those that might be d- deployed, say, for example, in your home. There's, there's different a different regulatory framework for those types of projects.
0: Well, turning to another aspect of the working group, which was these inspections, it's my understanding that you've been going through the operational battery systems in New York, over 300 kilowatts, and are hoping to wrap that up by the second quarter of 2024. What is the status of those inspection efforts as we talk on February 23rd?
1: Yes, so we are we are conducting the assessments that you had identified and and are committed to completing those on the schedule that you also referenced and and really they actually have informed in some instances the recommendations that are available today um, for comment. Going to these sites, you do um, not only assess various aspects of safety relating, as I said, to the codes and standards that they're installed within, but also uh, items like access. Um, We have learned um, more so through those inspections that accessing the site fully, including within the, the storage units themselves that the batteries are installed in will be an important part of confirming um, the installation according to these codes. So so those inspections are underway. They're integrating already into the processes that we've taken on um, as relates to the recommendations that are available for comment.
0: Well, in the wake of the Jefferson County fire, at least one municipality passed a temporary moratorium on battery system applications. To be safe, should we have a blanket moratorium in place across the state until the recommendations of the fire safety working group are completely implemented?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And, and the answer to that, in my view, is, is that moratoria are useful in some instances because they can allow a local community to ensure that their own um, government and standards are are ready. For example, One thing that our siting team works with local communities to do is to establish local laws and and sort of establish the ways in which these projects can be cited and installed. So in some instances, moratoria are useful to help a community be ready for a new technology to be installed um, locally. However, it is not the case that a blanket moratoria would be warranted given the fact that we know a lot about how to ensure these projects can be sited and operated safely. And that's really what we're here to do. Obviously we want safe systems. We're committed to it. And and we know the resources necessary to achieve that outcome.
0: Well, finally, in addition to actually promoting Regulations that ensure safe operations of battery storage systems. It seems like people actually need to feel comfortable having these operations in their communities. So, how do you go about changing hearts and minds in those situations where people are resistant, short of waiting them out and just having a lack of fires?
1: That's a great question, and and I put this sort of in the category of of the transition that we are advancing writ large, which is one. In which new technologies and in some inst- new to people technologies may be installed across our state. We had the same questions that existed when we began to install solar, uh, you know, a decade or more ago. And and at the end of the day, this comes down to I'd say, first of all, education. That's something we're strongly committed to. But education that is objective. Um, how can we provide facts and information to the public? It's one of our jobs and it's certainly the job of those who are advancing the energy transition um, writ large. But it also is experience. And, and that is something very much that that comes with time. Um, seeing your neighbors install these technologies, seeing them operate safely in your communities. It's part of ensuring this transition happens in a way that um, reflects the experiences of, of literally New Yorkers across the state. So we're committed to it. Um, it, We understand um, that change is something that we need to shepherd through um, responsibly, and, and that's what we're delivering on.
0: Well, we've been speaking with Doreen Harris. She is the president and CEO of the New York State Energy Research and Development Authority. Thank you so much for making the time, President Harris.
1: Great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Support for the Capitol Press Room is provided by New York State United Teachers, a statewide union of nearly 700,000 professionals in education and healthcare.